0: Well, all right. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Biz Pod. Uh, I'm your host, Nick Hayden, the founder of Sports Biz Group. And every week we sit down with athletes, investors, entrepreneurs, um, thought leaders in sports and entertainment, and kind of get behind-the-scenes access of what it takes building sports startups and kind of moving the needle and pushing new initiatives into the ecosystem. And today I have a really special guest, Farzine, who is the Chief Strategy and Financial Officer of Overtime. And over time, if you have not heard of them, they are one of the fastest growing media brands in sports and they generate about 1.5 billion views per month, over 300 million followers across all seven platforms and really highly engaged young audience. But Farzine, thank you so much for, for coming on. How's everything going?
1: Thanks for having me. Things are good. How are you?
0: doing well 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 before we get into it like so how's how's the quarantine life been how's everything been to transition um it's you know we were talking before this year in la but how's that process been so far
1: yeah i mean from a company perspective um it's been interesting you know in the absence of live sports um you know is really the time for us to shine as a company that's raised money on the premise of not needing live sports um and the three months when quarantine hit were our three best months ever from a viewership standpoint i think one obviously because kids were home from school and just watching you know our stuff all day but additionally you know the other companies or media brands or whatever that tend to post highlights and that sort of thing lacked a lot of the content that they needed to keep their viewership up and we had one stockpiled a ton of content prior you kind of have like the netflix model with the shows coming out and um, sequenced like well ahead of time and also we just have you know hundreds of thousands of highlights that no one has ever seen before so we can package them up and um, show them in ways that people haven't seen before so it's been great from a company perspective there's been this weird dislocation between viewership and obviously like the fact that we're a company that's based on generating brand revenue and advertising has been hit particularly hard um, and so but I think, you know, we're seeing the market already bounce back. And um, obviously with the NBA and um, a lot of these live sports coming back online, brands are starting to spend money again, which is great.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So question about like with COVID and, and how that changed the consumer behavior. You saw a lot of viewership go up. Have you seen any like platforms in particular that's been kind of interesting, whether it's Twitch, TikTok, Twitter, any, anything out of the normal that kind of was interesting to see maybe as a result of, of quarantine life?
1: Yeah. I think one of the things that was interesting for us was, you know, we've always said that we are a community. Um, we don't really have followers or people who are, you know, part of this community and in a world where, you know, there's an absence of live sports or highlights and things like that. Like how can we leverage our community in ways that other brands can't? And I think one thing that was really special was how we leveraged platforms like Instagram, Um, that are more interactive in nature, we can have live and you can have people join. Um, I think that's been something that's really differentiated us. And we've always had the number one engagement across platforms and sports. But I think being able to connect one-on-one with our fans really brought that to another level. Um, I also think, you think about the rise of TikTok. Um, It's, they have many similar features in that respect. And I think being able to make people feel like they're heard particularly in this sort of environment um, is super helpful. And a lot of our fans reach out to us saying that they were, you know, sad that they couldn't play basketball and things like that. And this was an outlet for them and being able to feel like they were hurt was really big. And most recently we actually had a, um, a camp, uh, a summer camp for 250, you know, OT OG fans. Um, so and, you know, there was a huge kind of interactive aspect to it. They were able to interact with each other. Um, and I think that, you know, that is something a lot of other brands aren't able to do because they lack that ability to connect with their fans and they don't have, you know, a face to it. And for us, we have a number of talent who are able to engage with these fans and create that sort of environment that's um, more engaging and interactive. And I think that goes a long way in building uh, brand loyalty.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. You know, and you guys, uh, everyone puts up the O's uh, to kind of really build that, you know, like, you know, universal community, but, um, you know, I'd love to talk more about kind of some of these like logistics where it's going, but like kind of more on your side, like, you know, you spent some time at Goldman Sachs, you went to endeavor. How, how'd how you get involved with over time? Like, what's your story to kind of that, that got you into the door or how are, how are you kind of part of building this?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I, um, I always knew I wanted to work in sports in some shape or form, basically like every teenage guy in the world. Um, and I was supposed to be, you know, go and play, I don't know if I was going to play pro tennis, but I definitely wanted to play tennis at a high level. Um, and I tore my shoulder when I was in high school. And, you know, my whole world unraveled. My mom's like, well, like, you know, maybe there's a job out there that's kind of, that can mix your interest with like business and sports. And I was one of those kids, whenever I played like NBA Live as a kid, I always went to like general manager mode and would like, yeah. you know, figure know, what trades made sense and that sort of thing. Or um, as lame as it sounds, like rollercoaster tycoon and like thinking everything as a business. So I went to... Um, In Canada, there's a lot of like business schools and undergrad. Um, And I went to one called Queens. And there I quickly realized that there was this, you know, world of jobs and finance and things like that. And I went to the MIT sports conference and I met this guy who worked at the NBA. And he was like, listen, like you and everyone else here wants to do this. Like you need to find a way to differentiate yourself. Um, And I thought that, you know, building some skills um, in a more kind of niche or professional services field was a nice entry point. Um, so I ended up getting a job at Goldman Sachs where all the clients were kind of sports media entertainment clients. So, um, I worked on a deal where, um, formula one was sold, um, worked at the NBA WME and that sort of thing. And that's how I got, you know, offers to go work for a number of our clients. And I ended up choosing a job at Endeavor over the NBA, um, to work one of the first people in that group to kind of work on digital slash strategic projects across Kind of everything they owned whether ufc or the digital talent agency and that sort of thing um and i ended up getting introduced to overtime because overtime was incubated at wme and dan porter um founded it there and i met him and you know it was kind of post the series a point and they were looking to scale and bring on someone with my experience and um you know at the time it was kind of just an instagram account and i didn't know totally what this was going to be but um, you know, he really painted a really interesting picture of what this could become. And I think we're, you know, well on our way to getting there. But there's obviously a lot more for us to do. But that's kind of how um, I got into the door.
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, so so can you talk about a little bit like what's your, your role, your, your chief strategy and financial officer? Kind of how do they intertwine? Or what are your, your kind of like day to day? It's like investor relations and, you know, general strategy, but if you could kind of like maybe walk through a few like a week in the life of uh, Farzin.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, I think they're intertwined in the sense that, um, you know, I, I I help a lot on the fundraising front um, and, you know, that's managing investors and, and things of that nature. But also like once you get money and you raise that money, figuring out how you want to spend it in a world with limited resources and um, limited runway, figuring out like what sort of thresholds or milestones you want to hit before you kind of raise more money again or whatever it may be. So I think those they're kind of connected in that way. And particularly as you think about, you know, a company that's, you know, a, a fast growing startup is losing money. And so, um, you know, figuring out um, how you balance off growth versus that spend and making sure that you don't run out of money many, many months before you had planned on running out of money. Um, and then, you know, also just kind of overseeing all of our strategic partnerships and those deals and, and that sort of thing.
0: It's amazing so so you' definitely be able to stand out and kind of build you know a role around yourself and your skill set like do you have any advice maybe for you know college students or people trying to break into sport to such a difficult time where you know like I I've, I've leveraged LinkedIn and, and just going into in-person events like I, I've never did, been, been to MIT Sloan but I've been to all the other ones hashtag sports the leaders in sports right so you know what would your advice be to like maybe having someone stand out in a really competitive and kind of limited almost um you know circumstances we're in right now
1: for sure i mean i think short of the in-person events showing ways in which this is something you're passionate about i think a lot of people can say they're passionate about sports but they'll put in a resume and there's nothing on there that shows that they have put their time into it and obviously like not everyone has the connections to go you know work for a sports team when they're in high school or in college or whatever but i think there are other ways they can do it you can write you know thought-provoking articles you can you know spend time volunteering in some sports aspect you can do things like you're doing you know I think you know there there's an endless amount of opportunities to show your interest Um, and I think it's a little lazy to just assume that someone's going to give you that opportunity and and unless you can show them that um, you know you're really interested I remember when I was interviewing at Endeavor um, the head of the group pointed out that I had a line there about how like I wrote some paper in college about like sports franchise valuations. And I was shocked to hear that like, because like, this stood out to me because like everyone else just like came from banking and sure, like you worked in a sports, you know, entertainment type group, but you know, there are a lot of people who could be working in that group who aren't necessarily passionate about it. The fact that you like went out of your way to like write an article and like do the research and all that stuff, like goes a really long way. And that that really shocked me. And so I think like taking that perspective on things can only help you. Um, And so that, that'd probably be like my biggest thing. And also as you think about, you know, potentially like preparing yourself for certain roles, like, are you excited about like the prep? I remember when I was interviewing at the NBA, I was like, this is the coolest job prep I've ever done. Like I'm reading articles about like their plans and like thinking strategically about like whether I agree or not with them. And, you know, when those questions came up in the interview, not only was I well rehearsed and I good answers, but they could also just tell that I was passionate about it. And so I think also, you know, being honest with yourself, regardless of whether it's like analytics or like front office or, you know, a role like mine or whatever it may be being honest with yourself about like what you actually think, you know, you're passionate about and whether your skills kind of, um, you know, meet that requirement.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And, um, you know, it's like, it's better to be, you know, ask for, you know, forgiveness and kind of take the initiative and, and, and move the needle that way. But, um, you know, I appreciate that advice. And hopefully the, the this um, listeners will, will, you know, take that into account. Um, so looking forward, you know, the next like 30, 60, 90 days, like what's, um, what gets you excited? You know, we, we've been in very you know difficult circumstances, you guys have seemed to adopt really well with kind of keeping your audience engaged and community engaged. But you know, as, you know, sports are coming back, we just had the NBA kickoff, MLB, NHL is about to happen. There's going to be a lot more content. Like what's really exciting on the the next, you know, 30, 60, 90 uh, days for you all? Yeah, I
1: think for us um, is mostly about like, how do we leverage our distribution and brand to create like really interesting extensions of our business? Um, And so, you know, we've relied a ton on, Um, social platforms and things like that so far, but eventually, you know, on people to consume over time products. And so, you know, there's only so much I can say on that front, but I think like, think of like all the extensions of a business like ours and, you know, whether or not it's, you know, us covering another event or doing like we had an event last year in Brooklyn and that was a huge success, like trying to do that again at a bigger scale, like things of that nature um, are exciting for us as we figure out like what that kind of looks like, particularly in the post-COVID world like how do you even you know execute on something like that
0: yeah and, and something to bring up even more specific where I saw a new initiative you guys acquired an esports team um and I thought that was really kind of groundbreaking for you all and it seemed to align well um what does you know esports mean to kind of over time I'm sure it's really embedded um into a lot of the community but but what's the kind of um what are you looking forward to about about that kind of new uh, new project
1: yeah for sure I mean I think you know when we think about being a sports network for the next generation People ask us, like, okay, you're in basketball and football, like and soccer, you know, what what else? And for us, we've always said, you know, I mean, I'm from Canada, I would love for there to be hockey. I'm a big tennis guy. I would love, you know, to cover tennis. But, you know, for kids under 25 in the world, if you're if you're covering football, basketball, and soccer, you're pretty much like that tent's probably as wide as it's gonna get for like, you know, if you think of the value of spending money. And so for us, you know, I think. Esports is probably that next natural extension where we can leverage our core competencies around building a cast of characters that people care about um, and focusing on content creation. And um, you know, there's you've seen the viewership numbers of you know, people who watch like these League of Legends finals and, and stuff that compared to you know, even the NBA finals and the numbers are astronomical. So um, you know, there's a huge business opportunity there. And I think for us, it's a question of you know, continuing to experiment um, and find ways to, you know, almost create a our own team that's like valuable in a sense that's not so much about competitive gaming, but more about you know interesting, compelling content like we've done with everything else.
0: Nice. So, so how would um, maybe like a scenario? How that kind of content? Is it like creating a house where all these gamers live in, or, or what's kind of that scenario? Yeah, we've already
1: like experimented with a couple of houses. I think we're probably gonna you know try some more. I think. Um, like a reality show type thing around the team is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, something that we've played around with. And I think there's, um, you know, it's more about finding the right cast of characters and the right game. And, you know, does that match your audience? So there's a lot of experimenting to do there. And I think no one's done it particularly well on that side. Obviously you look at hundred thieves and phase clan and those guys, they've done a really good job. Um, But, you know, we're not at a point where we're ready to, you know, bring ninja onto our team so how do we you know catch up in that respect and find our own unique way of um kind of you know using our elbows to create our own space there
0: yeah no that's interesting uh and and kind of given your situation you're seeing where a lot of like investments going whether it's with you guys but kind of just generally in sports and entertainment um you know for the next like 10 years what do you what do you think is like kind of a big prediction about like you know where things are going obviously things have probably didn't been a little bit deterred with COVID, but could have actually expedited maybe some of the innovation. So, you know, like what's like kind of a really bold prediction for yourself in like 10 years where, where, you know, sports and media really are.
1: Yeah. I think the view that we take and the view that I take as well is that, you know, you look at ESPN's subscribers churning at an accelerating rate. Um, You're just, you're seeing the bottoming out of audiences for a lot of these major sports leagues. Um, I think that you're going to find that a lot of these domestic networks, whether it's ESPN um, or CBS or Fox or whoever are, you know, spending billions of dollars a year on these rights, that equation is going to start making less and less sense because they're not going to be able to get the affiliate fees that they used to get. And they can't support those huge rights um, that um, they've been bidding on for, you know, well over a decade. So I think if you look 10 years down the road, there's a world in which all these sports leagues are going direct to consumer. Um, There's no need for like an ESPN or someone to deliver that for them. Um, And they can just hire a production company to do that. Um, And, you know, there's companies like ours that are getting more into, you know, that realm and connecting with consumers kind of directly. And you're not seeing a ton of innovation with live sports. Like the broadcast looks the same today than it did 20 years ago. Um, And I think, you know, the lack of innovation on that respect provides um, a huge opportunity for us to, um, you know, deliver content in a way that makes sense for this younger generation that's not interested in watching a, you know, a three hour sports game live.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, another question kind of piggyback off that is like with your audience is very under 35 or you know, younger demographic, what, what are some of the maybe interests or trends that you've seen them and, and what, in, what, what do they want to purchase or buy or kind of consumer behaviors with them? Have you seen any kind of um, interesting kind of trends?
1: Yeah, I think like the, the biggest thing that people get wrong is that these kids have short attention spans and it's useless to try to get them to watch things for a long time. But you look at the, the stats around like these shows on Netflix, like Outer Banks, and like people are crushing these shows in a day and they're watching show, like, episode after episode. Um, some of our content, like we released a one hour video on YouTube about our show about Deion Sanders and people watched it all the way through. Um, you know, our show on Snapchat around this kid, Bunchy Young had more unique viewers than Love is Blind and people were watching it for, you know, 10 plus minutes. So I think like, it's more about understanding like how they want to consume content and on what platforms. Um, and I think that it's the people who focus on trying to take an existing product and making and like trying to force it down like someone's throws is just not going to work. Like when ESPN did that that game on television where they had like those people sitting on a couch, kind of like um, layered onto the screen, and they thought that was their solution to you know for younger people to watch it. Like that that doesn't work because you're alienating the people who are actually who actually like what you're already doing, and you're not really like helping yourself on the other side. So they end up screening themselves um, kind of twice over in that respect. So we actually have an unfair advantage because not only do we know how to create content that these, that these people want, but um, you know, we're not alienating anyone by doing it because our audience is, is pretty young as it stands. And so I think that's probably the biggest point is that um, you know, people don't quite understand that like, the Gen Z and young millennials are, are not that different than anyone else. It's just understanding like, how they're actually wanting to consume content and on what platforms and on what sort of cadence like we'll have episodes released like 12 p.m. on a Saturday, whatever, 3 p.m. on a Sunday, and like kids are literally going to YouTube refreshing or they've pushed notifications for the new episode to come out. They're not so much worried about watching something live technically, but they're, you know, it's asynchronous viewing in some shape or form. Um, And so, you know, understanding like those consumption habits is really important Um, and understanding the importance of like, you know, the title of a video and like the cover image and things like that. Like people just, um, you know, lack a lot of creativity and understanding on that part. Um, in addition to that, just like in terms of consuming goods, like thinking about like what young people spend money on every single day. Like, you know, if a kid and his parents are spending 15 bucks a day on him in some shape or form, like how can we capture some of that in some shape or form, right? Whether it's content, whether it's clothes, whatever it is. We'll have to get you a
0: shirt as well. I, I, I get one. Um, that's, uh, that's amazing. For, for another kind of like innovation on like how people consume, obviously TikTok is probably the newest platform and there could be another, maybe one or two, but it's pretty tough to start a new one. But um, what are your thoughts on like virtual reality and augmented reality, just more of the tech and innovation behind consuming? You know, do you have any thoughts about that or maybe how that could potentially kind of unwind into over time type content?
1: Yeah, I mean, on on, on the TikTok front, I mean, you're gonna see Instagram, they've already rolled it out in India, but they're rolling out Reels in the United States, which is basically a clone to TikTok. Um, I think, you know, AR is interesting. I think VR is still kind of, I mean, I think in a post COVID world actually, it's probably accelerated that in many respects, but AR has actually been one that we've been experimenting with quite a bit, whether it's on Snapchat or on Instagram, Um, filters, games, things like that. We had, you know, tens of millions of impressions around, I think it was Christmas time when there was like that one trend going on with, um, I forget what it was exactly, like what type of basketball player you are, like what what type of thing you're going to get for Christmas, like playing around with like, you know, trivial things like that. But if you think of extensions with, you know, brands and, um, you know, content, there's some really cool things you can do there. Um, and you know we have an engineering team in house, so there's a lot of things that we don't have to outsource, and we can, be, we can be really quick to react on in terms of trends. So I think we're we're paying close attention to that, and we're excited about it for sure.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, the last question, kind of wrap this up, is you know um, for so people that like want to break in and, and into the industry, and specifically at overtime, like what's like an ideal candidate look like, and how do they kind of catch an attention of someone like yourself to potentially be part of the team?
1: Yeah, I, I mean I think it goes back to that piece of advice I gave before, you know, someone who can say that, you know, they've um, impacted an organization or, um, you know, written a compelling piece of, you know, analysis or whatever, like someone who has like a, a, a really interesting view on the world, um, I think is always interesting. Um, I think, you know, someone who has an ability to show that they understand this younger generation is really important too. I think, you know, on our social team, we'll do like these Um, take-home tests where it's like write the caption for like a handful of videos Um, and it's surprising how few people really understand like what um, you know what the voice is and sometimes like you know the voice for us versus another millennial or gen z brand is very different and so it's not so much about speaking you know in a voice that caters to this younger demographic but understanding like what is our voice Mm -hmm. and i think what is so interesting is that on any one of our channels, if you were to give the phone or whatever to someone else, you could probably tell that it's not the same person because people like have like a voice that is consistent and that people rely on. And so I think, you know, understanding like wherever you're interviewing, like what that voice is and how they're trying to speak to their audience and being able to show that to um, show that to the company um, goes a long way.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And um, you know, I just want to thank you again for your insight and, and kind of analysis on these trends and what's going on. It's an interesting time we're living in and, and glad to hear you're staying safe. But for all those listening, um, you know, definitely go check out overtime on Instagram, TikTok, all the platforms they're putting out amazing content. Connect with Farzine on LinkedIn. He's uh, doing some amazing work there. And thanks so much for uh for coming on the show.
1: Appreciate it, Nick. Thank you, man.
0: Awesome.